Before thee let my cry come near, O Lord, true to thy word, teach me before thee. We are thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, please consider taking the time to go to www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and let us know. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you through His Word. Let my lips thy praise confess, yea, of thy word my tongue would sing, Greetings this Lord's Day, this fourth week of Advent, in the name of Jesus. It's just a few days before Christmas, and we're looking forward to our Christmas Eve gathering and those uh, young people that have worked hard, and some not so young, uh, on their uh, presentations, singing, uh, that kind of thing. We're looking forward to that. Today, though, we're reminded of how love sustained God's people for thousands of years. Once again, love is one of those things that if you were going to look at the world through an evolutionary perspective, uh, love would seem to mean very little. It would seem to be really counterproductive to the survival of the species, or whatever you want to say. But the Bible tells us that love is the principal thing. That everything else is going to fail us, right? But love is not going to fail us. Uh, knowing that God loves us and the acts uh, of loving one another are essential to making it through so many very difficult things. Life is filled with difficulty. Life is filled with suffering and death and uh, pain and, and all of that. And without love, it's really impossible to make it through these kinds of things. Not only that, but because we're sinners, we need love to cover a multitude of sins, don't we? You know, all of us, if we, if we had to stand before all of our friends and if I had to stand before this congregation presenting somehow that I'd never sinned against anybody, that I never did anything wrong, uh, that wouldn't be true. Amen? Part of being able to love your husband or love your wife or even love your elders or your pastor is being able to love them in spite of the sins that they have. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love gives us endurance in hardship and in our walk with God like nothing else. Our call to worship is from Psalm 103. We've had this as our call to worship several times, and we even include it in our, uh, our absolution of our sin because it's very important to remember. So let us hear the Word of God from Psalm 103. A Psalm of David. Bless the Lord. And I'm reading it from the uh, Amplified Bible to give it a little bit of a different sound for us this morning. Bless the Lord affectionately and praise Him, O my soul. And all that is deep within me, bless His holy name. Bless and affectionately praise the Lord, O my soul. And do not forget any of His benefits. 
He forgives all of our sins and He heals all of our diseases and He redeems our life from the pit. He crowns us with lavishly with loving kindness and with His tender mercies. He satisfies our years with good things so that our youth is renewed like the soaring eagle. The Lord executes righteousness and judgment for all of the oppressed. He made known His ways of righteousness and justice to Moses and His acts to the children of men. The Lord is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger and He is abounding in compassion and in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, neither will He keep His anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins as we so deserve. He has not rewarded us with punishment according to our wickedness. And can't we say thanks be to God for that? For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His loving kindness toward those who fear and worship Him with awe-filled respect and with deep reverence. For as far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father loves his children, so the Lord loves those who fear and worship Him with awe-filled respect and with deep reverence. For He knows our mortal frame. He remembers that we are merely dust. As for man, his days are really like the grass, like a flower of the field, and he flourishes, for the wind passes over it, and it is no more, and its place is not really even remembered. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who reverently fear him, his righteousness to the children and the children's children, to those who honor and keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments, imprinting his word upon their hearts. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all of the universe. Amen? Amen. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, you mighty ones that do his commandments, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all ye hosts, ye who serve him and do his will. Bless the Lord, all ye works of his and all the places of his dominion. Bless and affectionately praise the Lord, O my soul. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we are so thankful today, Lord, that in all of the great bouquet of your blessings upon us, Lord, you have filled it with the great color of love. And Lord God, you have blessed us and you have showed us great kindness and you have pitied us like we pity our own children and have affectionately and tenderly nurtured us through our sanctification. And you will continue to do so until the consummation of all things. Lord, we pray today, Lord, as we come before you as uh, stained with sin, that you would wash us. Lord, we come before you hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Lord, praying and believing that you will fill us today and that you will feed us from heaven and that you will uh, make us more like you, make us fit for heaven. In Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said, standing for just a few moments uh, as I read for you my text from Psalm 51. I'm going to read verses 1 through 12. My sermon today is simply love in the Psalms. Just like we talked about last week, joy is not hard to find in the Psalms. It's everywhere you look. And you'll also find the same thing about love in the Psalms. 
Um, the Psalms is, according to some of the greatest theologians of the world, some of our great church fathers, the book of Psalms is the Bible in miniature. Uh, every major doctrine of the scriptures is found in the Psalms, and God wanted his people to sing them so that we would remember them. And today we're going to see where love is talked about in the Psalms. My text is Psalm 51, starting in verse 1. To the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone in to Bathsheba. Now, I I do want to stop here for a moment. Could you imagine if we sang a song in our church, Annie, where we said, this is the song we sang when Pastor Mark did the most horrible thing he ever did. (laughs) I just can't even imagine it. But they did this. I think this is a really important part of the psalm. Israel sang it knowing that its leaders had feet of clay, knowing that they sinned, and every one of us should be reminded, really the basis of our love for others is not in their goodness, it is in the goodness of God. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden parts shalt thou make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow." Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew in me a right spirit. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me, but restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with the right spirit. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, what a challenge it is for me to, to preach on love, knowing that as a man, my understanding of it is limited and my capacity even to do it is small. But, oh, God, I pray, Lord, that we would hear of your love and we would understand what it means so much more as we talk about the love that we have seen in the Psalms. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. These words of David from Psalm 51 are some of the most beautiful words in the Bible. Wouldn't it be wonderful, Jason, if we knew this prayer by heart, all of us did? For it indeed is the heartbeat of a man who loved God. A man who God himself says was a man after his own heart. The depth of understanding that we can have from this outpouring and this confession of repentance and of love are a wonderful picture of what love, and I I did this in my notes, you can't see it, but I do love with a capital L, capital O, capital V, and a capital E. Just like when the Old Testament puts Lord in all capitals, it's reminding us that we are talking about the great God of heaven. When I have put this in my notes. I put all the capital letters to remind me that we're not talking about the love the world talks about. You can love a dog. 
You can love a sports team. You can love Jenny's ice cream. But the love that I'm talking about isn't like that. Amen? It's something more. Any heathen, any non-regenerate man can love his own things, his own children, his, his own home, his, his own space, his own country. But to love the unlovable and to love the unforgivable is something God can do. And what God can teach us to do. Amen? God's love for us and our love for God is displayed in our love one for another. Oftentimes we find the greatest clarity in disparity. The backdrop of this psalm, the red canvas of sin on which it is painted is the stark contrast of the white letters of God's true love. This was so in the life of David and it is still true in our own. In the worst of our days, the days of our iniquities, the brightest lights of God's love and mercy can be seen. And God's love for us through the people of God can be seen too. Why is it that when people sin, we, go, we become so angry with them? We become so disappointed and let down by them that we turn our faces from them and we are just embarrassed of them as if somehow all of us don't know that we have the capacity to do those very things ourselves. The clear, crisp air and the highest heights and the full glory of the sun seem ever more transcendent after we have languished in the bottom of a damp and dreary dungeon of our own disparity. David is selfishly through his power, through his authority, and by his depravity. A man who had it all. Instead of returning thanksgiving to God, what did he want? He wanted more. You'll see this in your children this holiday season. You'll see it in your own heart. God gives you everything. And you know what we want? We want more. We, we can't enjoy the blessings we have because we know somebody else is at Smith and Walensky's. My, my in-laws took us to Smith and Walensky's. Guys, seriously, I would never do that on purpose, okay? Uh, it, it was really good. Uh, but I don't care how much money I have, uh, you know, the, wow. If you saw Facebook pictures of us there, I did enjoy a dry-aged steak. And it did cost more than I really want to admit. But I did not pay for it in case that brings you to a place of sin. I had to bring that out here just for, for the pain, you know. I opened the menu and I'm like, oh my goodness, we could buy a car, you know, for, for what this meal is going to cost. In fact, I think that meal costs more than three of the cars I've owned in the last ten years. But I didn't pay but the deal, what I'm saying is that when we have a lot and when we're blessed with a lot, we want what? We want more. more. He took a woman who was not his own when God had given him uh, the daughter of a king. God had given him a kingdom. He'd given him whatever he wanted. In fact, God even later said, if you had wanted more, you could have asked me. And I would have given it. But it's not good enough for us. We take things that don't belong to us as our brother talked about. We steal. He took a woman that was not his own from a noble. Not, he didn't just take a woman. He took her from a noble, good, brave warrior. That makes his crime even worse. And then he had that man killed. Not just killed, but killed at the hands of his enemies. The story of David and Bathsheba and Uriah the Hittite may be one of the saddest stories of the Bible. 
And yet, from it, we get the fruit of some of the greatest doctrine on what love is in David's repentance. You see, it's not our sins that we will be, we will not be judged. The Bible says we will not be judged for our sins in heaven. Isn't that something crazy? We will be judged by the righteousness of Christ in heaven. And do you know the people in this church that sin against you, they're going to be judged like that too? They're not going to be judged for their sins. So why are you? Amen? And I say this church because even in this church we're full of people that we love. It's easy to even hear, withhold our forgiveness and, and, and look down upon people and, and stingily refuse to forgive them like that man who was forgiven the great debt by the great, uh, the great debt that he owed that he could never pay back. And when he was, he responded by going to the someone that owed him a little bit and holding it against him. Oh, folks, that's not love. David will live out the truth recorded by John in his first epistle, which we heard in our New Testament reading today. A truth I pray that God infuses in us today. 1 John 4.10, herein is love. Not, everybody say not. Not Not that we love God, but that he loved us. Folks, any love that we have, and and I have some great friendships here in this church, and and I, I look forward to the... The, the, the embrace and, and the love and the affection. I really do. But I'm telling you, any, any similitude of good love that comes is not from any of you or me. And the Bible says that love is Christ in us loving each other. We are incapable of loving people like this. That's why we need Christ in our hearts. And when we can't love our problem, our problem isn't that we haven't learned how. It's that we need to be filled with the Spirit of God. God, fill us today. People of God, the story of the Bible is a grand story of God's love. For us, it's not the story of the great love that we have for God. But it's the story of the great love He's loved us with. It's the story of how we who were deep in sin, in the poverty of self, until God filled our hearts and lives with love for Him. And not only did we have love for Him, but it spilled over in our love for other people. People we don't want to steal from. People we don't want to kill. People we don't want to uh, lie to. Amen? Today from the Psalms, we will behold what manner of love God our Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called His sons. Today, we will be reminded that although we long for righteousness, we lack the ability to perform it and to achieve it. But God has given us His love as the greatest of all of His gifts that He has given And he's even allowing us, this is amazing, to love and forgive like he did. That's that's just about as great as his forgiveness, is that he lets us love each other. Before I work my way through Psalm 51 and direct us to many of the other Psalms that teach us about love, I want to sort of enlighten you in a way that when you go in the book of Psalms and you're looking for love, that you can find it, okay? Because if you, if you just did a topical search for the word love in the Psalms, you're, you're not going to find tons of words. But there's a word translated, Brother Steve, over and over and over and over again, several of them that mean love. In fact, they mean a compound form of love, like God's enduring, steadfast love. It's, the word is so packed full of meaning that they can't just say it. And so you know what they do, Steve? They translate it mercy. And you'll read this in the Bible. 
In the Old Testament, in the original Hebrew, there are a cluster of related words often translated as the word mercy. Depending on where they appear in the text, the words carry a meaning, uh, each of them of different kinds of love, and that can be translated as his steadfast love, his enduring love, his, his, his uh, maternal love. There is ahava, which means God's enduring love for Israel, much like the love between even a husband and a wife. There is ra, ra, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar, so I apologize for my bad pronunciation here. Rakaham, which comes from the root word, or Raham, or the womb, which might be literally understood as God's love. You know, that, 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 that feeling that is closely related to that feeling we get. Some of you mothers know this feeling in a way us men do not when you hear the cry of a little one. Some of you nod your head if you're a woman and you know what I'm talking about. You hear the cry of the little one that is hungry. It cries out. And, the, and my wife has told me, she's like, it like hurts me. Like, I can feel it deep in my heart. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? You hear that. And it's like, oh, you know. You see, you ever see these pictures? You know, you see the little kid and, and the little kid looks hungry or he looks cold or he looks like he needs something. And, and you know, what you want to do is you just want to go, oh, <laughs> where is he? <laughs> you know, I remember receiving a phone call about some children who were not far from here, who had been abandoned uh, in a trailer in the middle of the summer, and they were found in a house that was over 100 and some degrees. And, and I just remember, I remember like literally almost wanting to throw up with that sort of, oh, I want to get them, I want to bring them, I want to I I love them, I want to feed them, I want to clothe them, I want them to know they're safe. You, that, that feeling, that's what that, Raham, that's a little more than mercy, amen? It's love. In, in the well-known passage of Psalm 85, 10, that speaks of the Israelites' return from exile, it is said of this moment, it said, Mercy and truth have met together, and righteousness and peace have kissed. This word mercy here is called chest. The, the word uh, suggests God's steadfast loyalty. And if love is anything, it is certainly loyal. Someone recently was kind of sort of after me, and, um, and I, I, I said, I'll tell you what, you, you should try to come into my church and say that. I said, they'll stone you. <laughs> I said, they will hunt you. I said, they will come to where you live and burn your house down. I said, I said you need to understand that the people of God love each other and they're loyal, and they will not let, you know, I mean... Pick any person in this church and find out someone is mistreating them and misusing them and just send out a text message with your address and you need a little help. May God have mercy on whoever is dealing out the pain at that moment. Folks, I'm telling you, that's what love is. Love is loyalty. Love says, uh-uh. Uh-uh. Now, you, might, you may slap me and I'm going to turn the other cheek. That's fine. But I see you picking on, you know, little Thomas. Somebody, I'm somewhere... Uh, let me tell you right now, that ain't happening. You know? That's what love is. Love says, I'm here, I'm showing up, my body's in the way, go ahead and go through me, right? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You might think I'm going over the edge. Folks, that's what love is, right? You guys, Heath, you know this, right? On the playground growing up, when they said, your mama, that, that was trouble, right? There's a limit, and, and when they reach the limit, it's like, at this point, you have to get the paddle, you have to be suspended, because you know what's got to happen next, and it's not going to be pretty, right? Loyalty. That's my mom. You know? 
Mercy, God is loyal to us. Did you know we're His people? We are the sheep of His pasture. He loves us and delights in us. And when people come, and you, they think, you think God isn't watching when they come? Oh, He's watching. That's why, that's why the Bible has these warnings. I think you better watch out. I think you better watch out. God loves His people. He loves us. A point of connection between the Jewish and the Christian traditions is what we call the great Halil. It means praise. It refers to a group of psalms regularly recited at the new moons and the Sabbath times and uh, at the tabernacle, Feast of Tabernacles. And uh, it was was written so that they could celebrate the coming into the promised land. The great Halil uh, can be seen in Psalm 136 where it says, God did this and his mercy endures forever. God did this and his mercy endures forever. It can be translated his strong, his steadfast love. It endures forever. God loves us like that. Mercy sets the context of many of Jesus' teachings in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus tells the story of the unmerciful servant. Right? The one I mentioned a minute ago. His debt was wiped away, but he refuses to forgive someone who owed him just a few cents. The story teaches us what we need to forgive others because we have been forgiven ourselves. Jesus was the face of mercy when he walked on this earth. A lot of things that he did were really confusing. He touched people that other people wouldn't touch. He didn't mind when the woman was at his feet touching him. They said, if he knew who she was. He would never let that filthy woman touch him. Did Jesus know who she was? He knew who she was better than they did. He knew things she had done that they could never know. It's like the woman at the well. Ma'am, you've had all these husbands and the one you're living with now. He ain't even your husband. Jesus didn't recoil. He said, would you give, would you give me a drink? Ooh, Nasty. Jesus understood what nasty was. You know, he walked around in a world and he saw it all. I mean, imagine that. You know, just on what we know, we're, we're kind of ready to sort of hold back and reserve our love and kindness for others on things we know. Could you imagine Derek being able to look at someone and see all of the sin of their life? And yet, what did he do? Did he go around going, you shouldn't do that, you stinking nasty people, you sinners? Did he stand outside the bars? Did he stand outside and yell at the Roman soldiers? Or where did he go? No, he went to the religious people who didn't know they were nasty. Jesus said, I didn't come to save the righteous, but sinners. What what did he mean by that? The righteous, they didn't want to hear Jesus' words. They were too good. They were too good to stop for the man who was bleeding in the ditch because they had important church business. Folks, the business of the church is stopping and helping the bleeding. The business of the church is forgiving and loving real sinners, really nasty people. It's putting your arms around a leper who longs for a hug, but he can't have one because no one will touch him. Jesus told them, I desired mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call righteous, but sinners. Perhaps most significantly for Christian, Jesus shows us what it means to be merciful when he healed the sick. Our love can be shown for people when they're sick. 
Now, I'm, I apologize to all of you. I'm really bad about that. When I'm sick, I don't really want to see any of you. And I'd like you to stay away as far as possible. And I, I think I'm wrong for that. I apologize because, well, I just have some problems. I like helping people and praying for people, but I don't necessarily like anybody helping me. It's out there. I just confessed it. All right, let's move on. <laughs> Love is known best for what it is in the context of what it does. God loves us. He has done plenty to demonstrate it. Amen? If we love God, it will motivate us to great actions to love Him and to love our neighbors. That's how we know the love of God dwells in us. It says this in John. It says, this so-called love many talk about today is not love at all. It is something under another mask of self-interest. It's not hard to feel... And to treat those around you who, uh, when, when we love them, when we get something for it, you know, when they're our kids or they're our blood relatives or they're on our team or in our country or whatever, this is not God's love. This is the love that really any brute beast might be capable of. What the Psalms teach us about and what Jesus taught us about was love with a capital L-O-V-E, the love that uh, Sister Naomi was reading about. Love doesn't seek its own. Love's not easily offended. Love rejoices in the truth. Love hopes all things, bears all things, believes all things, right? Love endures all things. We don't endure hardly anything. Somebody upsets us, offends us, or gets us sideways, and we're ready to, we're ready to just cut them off. Using Psalm 51, let's look at some of the verses in the book of Psalms. To the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone to Bathsheba. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Now it's no wonder that these words of true love are taught to us amidst this horrible adultery, myrtle, and betrayal of self-interest on a level that really should mark him as a low-down, dirty dog for the rest of his life. And yet somehow it does it. This is what's amazing thing to me. I'm telling you, I, I talk about this, but it's amazing. When you say David, it's the star of David. It's the throne of David. It's the, the, everything David, David, David. And he does something that to me is as bad as anything anybody ever did ever in the Bible. How is it that he is who he is? And I'm telling you, you know how, you know how the Bible says, purge me with hyssop and I will be, hyssop and I will be clean. Wash my sins that are scarlet and I will be white as wool. Somehow God's love for David and his continual blessings of him after his sin, you know what it does? It doesn't just wash him so he gets to go to heaven. It washed his entire reputation. You, when you say David, do you go, adulterer? No, you go, he's that dancer. He's the guy that wrote the Psalms. When you say David, you go, oh, a king, a man after God's own heart. You don't go, murderer, adulterer, selfish pig. Right? Why? Because God through history, even though right there, it says it in black and white. Even it's reminded about it in the Psalm, we still think David, man after God's own heart. David, shepherd of the hills who love God. David, wow, I hope my kid grows up to be a David and we name our kids after David. That's how God washes us. Amen. That's what he does. What if we washed each other like that? 
What if we, instead of focusing on the sins and difficulties and failures and weaknesses that we despise so much in others but overlook so easily in ourselves, what if we just washed our brothers with them and said, and we ignored those things? And yes, we challenged our brothers and we, we loved them through them, but when we got on the other side, they weren't just marked for permanent for the scumbags they are. Oh, I think it could please God if we could somehow work this out. We're sinners and we're undone. We deserve His wrath, but instead He offers forgiveness, hope, faith, joy, and He even gives us love for others just like us. That's, that's amazing. He's praying, love me, God. This is what David's saying in these opening words. Love me, God. I know you will treat me with love because, oh Lord, you are love. He's calling, this is like, like Jonah. He's like, I know that you're a God who's going to love him and forgive him. And I knew this is what you were going to do. Jonah's even brave enough to talk to God like that. I knew you were like that. Sometimes it's, you ever, you ever talk, you know what, I knew if you went over there, you'd end up forgiving him and loving him and inviting him back into our house. What is wrong with you? You'd just open up your heart, you'd let him in again to do it to you all over again. Yeah. How about it? Love me, God. I know you're going to treat me with love because, oh Lord, you are love. You abound with it. Your love is vast and limitless. And I need your forgiveness for the stains of my sins. Wash me, oh God. This is how love comes, folks. Real love. When we need forgiveness, this is how it has to come. Love is the only real source of forgiveness from God. That's why a mother can love a serial killer if it's her son. Why? Because only love, only love could do that. Now, I'm not saying, you know, any of that's all good, but I'm just telling you, people that do horrible things like that, their mothers still love them. I've talked to some mothers. Of, uh, I've talked to a mother of a serial killer before when I was a reporter. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. I think we, we see this more of, as, of as a transaction. Like, you know, uh, the bank, uh, all the zeros just, you know, all my account that was negative, whatever, it just went to zero. I think we see it like that. But I don't really think that's what... It says, for God so loved the world that he did that. I, I, it doesn't seem like a bank transaction. It was all against me, but now it's not. No, no, no. What, what, was, what, was the, what was the motivating factor? The Bible says, and you, you might go, well, can God be motivated? I, I don't really even understand God enough to know this, but the Bible says he's love. And it says it, for God so loved the world that he did this. Right? Sounds like a motivating factor for God. Or do you want to say it's the core of God, of the identity of what God is, because that's what God does. What does he do? He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It doesn't just say that he gave him, but he gave him to be the propitiation for our sins. He is the payment in full. This is what true love, the love of God does for us. It gives us not only the power to love, but the power also to forget. Because what does David pray next? Blot out my 
transgressions. He doesn't just want to be canceled out. He wants them to be forgotten. You know, only love can do that. He says in verse 2, Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgression, and my sin is ever before me. Why do you want God to forgive it? Because I can't. I know what I did, and I know who I am, and I can't. But it seems like if God can forget it, and God can wash us, and God can rebuild who we are, maybe we could too. Right, Tammy? You seem like you're with me. You know, if God's going to forget the things that you did, maybe you could do. That's what the invitation of love is about. God is saying, you know, when your friends and, and those that you've sinned against go, just quit it now. It's okay. I know you did that. It's all right. We don't care. We love you. We love you in spite of that. We love you, in fact, because of that. You know, when you really love people, you kind of even love them in their sinfulness. You're not okay with it, but you're like, you know what? They're mine. I love them. Psalm 103, as I often quote, Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all of His benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Who heals thy diseases. He redeems thy life from destruction. And He crowns thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Reminds me of the prodigal son. He doesn't just let him in. He puts a ring on his finger, a robe on his back, and kills the fatted calf. Folks, that's not just canceling out the bad. That's love. Love waits on the porch and looks for the son to come home. And love runs to meet him. Oh, could we be like that, church? Could we be like that with just the people in here? Could we do it? Oh, we're going to feel that way in heaven. We'll be sorry we didn't do it here. The Bible said he's merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. We're here more, we, we hear more of this in several other psalms. There's a psalm in uh, Psalm 4011. It said, withhold not. Lord, thy tender mercies from me. Let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. As we move on to verse 4 of Psalm 51, David sharpens his confession to properly set his priorities. He loves the people that he's hurt. He loves the people that he's sinned against. But what does he understand is his first priority and really his most grievous error is that he sinned against God. He said, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Let me tell you what love does and what love is. Love comes in humility. Love cannot have too much humility and honesty. Recently, there was a bad situation that I was involved in, really just even a couple days ago, and, and I believe somebody really, really sinned against me, and, um, well, because they did. And I, I'm like, you know what? You know what? I, I should just tell them. I should tell them how egregiously they hurt me. I was so amazed at what happened. 
as they begin to weep and to cry and to say, yeah, I did it to you. And it grieves me. Folks, I'm telling you, we don't go to people. I didn't know that was going to happen. I thought actually they might be more mad. They might hate me worse for, for pointing it out. But I'm like, I owe it to them. I'm either going to think it about them and be hurt by it the rest of my life or I'm going to tell them how bad what they did was to me. Folks, love comes humbly and love can, can, is honest. And love just said, I, you may not have meant to do it, but you made me feel like you didn't love me, like you don't care about me, like I meant nothing to you. Folks, love says those things to people. And sometimes they'll love you back if Christ is in them. Verse 6, Behold, thou desires truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Don't you almost have a different view on what it means, just in that little explanation I gave earlier? That's what he did to David. He washed him. God's love washes us, and our love for God comes out in our lives when we cover a multitude of others' sins. We've had opportunity to do that, right? Some of you had lots of these opportunities. Some of us miss those opportunities. And instead of covering them, we keep track. But what does love not do? <laughs> the Bible says love doesn't keep track. Love doesn't have a list. This is what you did. This is what you did. This is what you did. And you did all of these things to me. Now pay up. That's not what love does. But love might go, you did all these things. And I have to tell you because I'm just suffering. And I do love you. And I just cannot I just can't go in life the rest of my life hurting like this. I at least have to tell you. And they may go, well, get out of my face. They might. But at least you will have loved them enough that you are honest with them. The mercy of God, the love of God comes in the form sometimes of discipline. We know this with our children. I know this as an elder. Proverbs 3.12 says, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the father loves, he chastens, even a father, a son, in whom he delights. Hebrews 12.6 actually quotes the same thing from Proverbs chapter 3, but it adds a little bit more. It's a, it's a, and, and, and it explains this process in a full-orbed way of how it's unpleasant. And how it seems like something you, the last thing you want to do. But you need to do it. Because in the end, it will produce beautiful fruit. And then next it goes on to talk about your elders in the same way. It says, do you understand their job can be very, very unpleasant. They don't like it. How many of you like to whip your kids? I'm a little crazy. I think I scare my kids because I actually hate it so bad. I, I try to act like I like it. Like, oh yeah. Someone's getting beat. It's going to be fantastic. Now, I think probably that's not so good. Maybe they're scarred for life over this. My, my mother did this to me. Uh, but I know my mother loved me so much that she hated spanking me. And she's like, okay, you know, you know. And, uh, and, and so I understand that feeling. I hate it. I don't like bringing correction to people. But what does love do, folks? Love brings it. Love spanks your kid. Love deals with a church member who's treating other people badly. Love deals with people and corrects them when you can do that. Love submits to those above. Our fathers, our mothers, our elders and leaders. And it goes down to those under us. As, and love offers correction as evidence of that love. David understood that. 
the wounds of a friend were faithful wounds. If you want to be a friend to your kids, if you want them to be your friend, Steve, you know, you're like me. You want your kids to like you. You want, you want to be their friend. You got to wound them. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Psalm 51a, I'll read it again. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. David was saying, God has dealt with me. God has hurt me. God has wounded me. But you know what? God's my friend. And, and you know what? You've broken my bones and I deserved every single bit of it. You know, sometimes our discipline of our children gives them the opportunity to repent because they sort of need to know what they've done is bad and, and they need to feel like there's something being done about it on their part. All right, I took some pain here. We can't pay for our sins, but there's something... A kid needs to get in trouble when he does bad, and if he doesn't, he gets the idea that nobody cares. And the Bible says that's so. Love does not neglect those God has given to us. Love pays positive attention, but it pays negative attention too, if you want to call it that. David knew not only his only way to have joy and gladness restored was through discipline. You ever just want someone to just fight with you and just tell you how bad... But what do we do? We like to close our mouths, some of us do, and hide off and not talk. What are we doing? We're neglecting our friendship. We're neglecting our love for our brother and sister. We're hiding out. God doesn't hide from us. His word is plain about our sins. And when we hide from each other and we withhold those true words that we should give, a lot of bad things are possible. Psalm 57 says, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings I make my refuge. You know, if you ever watch little chickens, they do come in the shadow of the wings, but they also get pecked on the head. You ever, you ever watch this? The little, the little uh, bitty, they used to call them, you know, little chicks, you know, they try to get out, and when they do, the mother goes, and she, bam, she whacks them on the head, and then, whoa, and they run back. Under the shadow of the wings. That means within arm's reach of mama who's going to knock you upside your head if necessary. <laughs> Folks, I'm telling you, love does that. Love gathers you under the wings and when you try to get out, smacks you upside the head. Be merciful to me, God, under the shadow of the wings. God protects His children through good and bad and he brings, he brings it into their lives. And this is what love does. The love... True love does not hide from us, does not forsake us, does not refuse to talk to us, does not shut us out. It allows us to confront our own wrongdoing when it deals with us. So many people are never going to deal with their sins, but if you help them by bringing it to them, they will. What we want to do for our sins to be hidden, to be covered up rightly by God is because this is what love does. Love, 1 Peter 4.8, love covers a multitude of sins. Continuing in Psalm 51, hide thy face from my sins. That's what you want. You want people to forgive you, right? Blot out my iniquities. But what does he not want? He doesn't want God to hide from him. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew in me a right spirit. But what does he ask in verse 11? Cast me not away from thy presence. How many, how many people do this to the people you love? Love doesn't do that. Love doesn't go. Love doesn't refuse to talk. Love doesn't withhold your face. Well, you know what I'll do? I just won't look at them. That's, what, that's, that's not what love does. 
You want to not look at something, don't look at their sin, but look at their face. That's what God does. God doesn't look at our sin. He forgets our sin. He washes our sin. He cleanses us from our sin. And He does look right into our faces. You know, it's hard to be mad at someone who's standing in front of you. Right? Jason could be mad at the fire. I could have treated him bad and he could be, that's it, I'll leave in the church. I'm mad. But I tell you what, I get this close to Jason, I'm like, how you doing, buddy? Man, I love you. When you get close to somebody, it, it is easy to love, it is easy to, to hate and unforgive people that are away from you. But when they're at you, man, I love you. Man. I know I did you wrong, man. I, and, you're, you know, and you're mad. You're, you're like John. You know what? I knew he would do that to me. He's going to come and he's going to apologize and he's going to love on me. I want to hold his sin against him the rest of his life and I want to lock him in the prison of my unforgiveness. That's what, that's what we do. But then you get in somebody's face and you love them and they cry and they're like, I did you wrong and I'm so sorry. And you're like, daggone it. I knew he would do that. That's the same thing that happened to Jonah. God, you were going to do that. That's why I didn't want to come and preach to them, God, because you, you, you forgive people and you love them and I knew you were going to do that with them. We don't think of how you're like Jonah, though, do you? Yeah. Oh, we're in trouble, aren't we, brother? Love does not cut us off. It doesn't hide from us. Love does not withdraw. It draws nearer. Amen? This is what we need from God and what others need. When they sin against us, they need us not to, to push them away. They need us to pull them closer. Because what does he ask for? He says, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Isn't that what happens when things are made right between people? You were carrying around heaviness, and what happens? Joy. Wow. Man, I thought it was horrible. I thought it was terrible, but man, what a good feeling it is to be released of that burden. He says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Uphold me with the right spirit. And David knows. He's like, then you know what I'll do? I'll teach transgressors thy ways. Sinners will be converted to thee. Why? Because now my head's going to be lifted up and I'm going to be excited and I'm going to be thankful that God has forgiven me and I'm going to forgive other people. There's a chain reaction, folks. You forgive people. And you know what they'll do? They'll go around forgiving other people. Wouldn't that be neat? Wouldn't it be neat if we forgave people and then they forgave people? Wouldn't that be neat? That's how it works. I quote it all the time, Ephesians 4. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Then I'll teach transgressors the way. Sinners shall be converted today. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. There's nothing that lifts the soul more than the burden of being forgiven, the burden of confessing your sin to your brother and him loving you and forgiving you and that fellowship being restored. Next thing you know, you're singing. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. Come on, you know this. In your house, your wife's mad at you, she hasn't talked to you. And then you make up and you're like, it's a happy day. It's a happy day. Oh, Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. David understood something that God, and people talk about this and they get this right a little. They go too far with it. But God is not interested in your ritualistic approach in pious life. 
He's not primarily interested in that. God does want you to come to church. He does want you to dress, you know, decent and reflect your respect for God. He does want you to, uh, you know, use good words. But you know what God wants more than that? He wants you to love each other. He wants you to come with humility. That's what God wants. God wants more than that. He's saying, I would have offered a bunch of sacrifices. Do you think God wanted a bunch of sacrifices for all the bad things that he did? Nope. But I like what David does here. David said, I would have I offered you that, but you don't want that. Now, we know in the law, what, do you, what, what, what atones for sin? Sacrifice atones for sin. Because he goes and he explains this. He said, what you want first. Everybody say, what God wants first. It's not that what God didn't want sacrifice. Sacrifice was required. They had a high priest. They had a system. They had a temple. They were doing sacrifice. But what David talks about here is what you wanted first for me wasn't sacrifice. What you wanted for me is a contrite and broken heart full of repentance. Love cares less about the outward religious exercises than it does about relationships with others. Love leaves its gift at the altar and goes and makes things right with its brother or sister. And only after that comes and sings its special song. Matthew 5, 21. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, Jesus said, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee. You know, some of you know your brother hath ought against thee, and you're waiting every week as I talk about this for them to come to you. It says, if you know your brother has something against you, you should leave your gift at the altar and go to them. Yikes. Leave the gift there before the altar. Go your way. Be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be blessed with the sacrifices of righteousness. See what he says? See, go make things right and then come and offer your sacrifice. Thou shalt be blessed with the sacrifices of righteousness, the burnt offerings, the whole burnt offerings. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thy altar. He wasn't saying none of that wasn't important. He's saying it's not as important as this. That's why Jesus said, these things ought you to have done and not left the other undone, right? I'm just going to read a few more verses and I'll close with this. I, you, are you hearing the word of the Lord here? This is what real love is. And we find them in the Psalms. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry... Does that sound like I'm glad my debt's been canceled? Or does it sound like love for God? <laughs> I'm longing for you. <gasps> like water in a thirsty land. Oh, you're good. My flesh longs for thee in a dry, thirsty land where there is no water. To see thy power and glory so that I have seen in thy sanctuary. Because, why? Verse 3, because thy loving kindness. This is all from um, Psalm 63. Because thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. I will bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied with the morrow and the fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate thee in the night watches. Why? Verse 7. Because thou hast been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of thy wings, I will rejoice. You see that, Sister Narwhal? Do you see that motherly love? Because you love me like my mama. You don't just love me. You love me like my mama. 
My soul follows hard after thee. Verse 85, I quoted from it. I'm going to read just a little bit more of it than I did earlier. Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of the people. Thou hast covered their sins. Thou hast taken away thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Doesn't it sound like a lot of love has to just do with being kind? Forgiving, letting things go that we don't let go. Turn us, O God, for our salvation. Cause thine anger toward us to cease. Will you be angry with us forever? Will thou draw out thine anger for all generations, O God? Will thou not receive us again? Lord, revive us that thy people may rejoice. And David says this, show us mercy or show us that love. O Lord, grant us thy salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people and to his saints. But let them not return to their folly. Surely his salvation is nigh to them that fear him, that glory may dwell in their land. Verse 10. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring out of the earth and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yea, the Lord shall give thee which is good and our land shall yield its increase. Psalm 86. Bow down thine ear, O Lord. Hear me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my soul, for I am needy. O thou Lord my God, save thy servant. Verse 3. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. Think of the cry of that little baby. Think of that cry. Do we cry after God knowing that He can meet our needs? Rejoice the soul of thy servant. For Lord, verse 5, For thou, Lord, art good, ready to forgive, plenteous in mercy unto all that, that call upon thee. Verse 13, For great is thy mercy and thy love toward me. Verse 15, For thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion. Does this sound like that He kind of likes us? Or is He full of it? Full of compassion. Long-suffering, plenteous in mercy. O oh, turn to me and have mercy upon me and give me, give thy strength to thy servant. Save the son of thy handmaiden. Show me a token of good because thou, Lord, has helped me and comforted me. I'm going to close with the, the great Halil. And when I do, when, it, when it's supposed to say his mercy endures forever, will you say it with me? Say his steadfast love endures forever. Can you do this with me? Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods, for His steadfast love endures forever. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord of lords, for His steadfast love endures forever. To Him alone does great wonders, for His steadfast love endures forever. To Him that by wisdom made the heavens, for His steadfast love endures forever to him that stretched out the earth above the waters for his steadfast love endures forever to him that made the great lights for his steadfast love endures forever the sun to rule by day for his steadfast love endures forever does it sound like they wanted to remember that god loved them we need to be reminded because it's easy to forget the moon and the stars rule by night for his to him that smote Egypt in their firstborn, for his steadfast love endures forever. He brought Israel from out among them for his steadfast love endures With a strong hand and with a stretched out arm. To him that divided Red Sea. He made Israel pass through the midst of the sea. 
He overthrew Pharaoh and a host in the Red Sea. You know why we forget the love of God? Because we don't remember it. And folks, that's what Israel was doing in the great Hillel. They were remembering. What did he do? What did he do? That's what love is. Love does the acts of love. And that's what the great song is about. He smote the kings for his love endures forever. He slew famous kings and he names them all. And he goes on for verse after verse after verse. Oh, thanks unto God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. Amen. I could preach for two more hours on the Psalms and on love. It's filled with God's love for us. But hopefully today you got a picture of what love is. And hopefully today you might be saying, Lord, fill me with your spirit so that I can love people like that. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We would not even be capable of doing that had you not given us a heart that could. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would understand that and that would cause us to be merciful and forgiving of others, that we would desire restoration in our relationships with others because of our relationship that has been restored with you. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would today uh, make us filled with your love and your compassion and your forgiveness and your mercy. And Lord, that we could relieve others of the great burdens they are bearing today by forgiving them and loving them. Oh God, give us the courage to do these things that we might see the great fruit of all of this in our church and in our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.